1: Welcome back food therapy listeners. Today we have Diana Rice, who is a registered dietitian and the owner of Tiny Seed Family Nutrition and the founder of Anti-Diet Kids. She specializes in helping kids and adults ditch diet culture and develop healthy relationships with food. She is a certified intuitive eating counselor and has trained with the Ellen Satter Institute on Child Feeding Dynamics. She is the host of The Messy Intersection, a podcast for new moms seeking to figure out how to feed themselves and their kids. She is based in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, where she lives with her husband and two young girls. Welcome, Diana. Thanks so much, Lauren. We are so excited to have you. I feel like there's always this conversation of like intuitive eating for adults, but what about intuitive eating for kids and anti-diet for kids to, so that they don't go through that whole cycle of why we need it as adults.
0: Yep. That is pretty much my reason for being right there. (laughs) It's so true. So kind of, you know, getting started, what does a healthy relationship to food look like for kids?
2: Oh, man, so I would say that we are helping kids learn what a healthy relationship with food is the same as we're helping them learn how to read, how to tie their shoes, how to ride a bike, you know, so um, it's not like you have it or you don't. Um, you're learning it. You're getting there. You're going to, you know, the whole goal is to become an adult who who has this. But I would say um, there's a, a few things for sure, which is um, all food is good food. Um, you can eat as much as you want according to your appetite. Um you know uh you know when these things about like even like you know carrots uh you know help you see i'm not a big fan of that i don't want a kid to worry they're not gonna be able to see if they don't like to eat carrots um so really just uh having that food food neutrality um you know message if food food really should be kind of an object no different from like our clothes or our shoes you might have preferences that's great um but you know wearing red shoes one day versus blue shoes doesn't change anything about your (laughs) self-worth um and I want kids to know uh, that one food versus the other doesn't change anything about their worth either.
1: It's so funny that you mentioned the, the carrot thing. I think I've <laughs> talked about it on here before, uh, where I my parents had to take me to the eye doctor because I was squinting to look at the TV and and you know the chalkboard and whatnot. And my dad was like, "Well, carrots are really good for your eyes," and I ate the entire bag of carrots and threw up orange that day. So no, (laughs) but I mean, that is really interesting when I talk about it. Cause I'm like, well, that just completely depicts my entire personality of like, when you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it 100% full throttle perfectionist in me and probably relates to a lot, not that particular situation, but my personality wise of like why I struggled with food. Uh, but that's funny that you say that. And I think it's such a good point. Like there's no, there shouldn't be this like superior, food or inferior food, uh, and teaching kids that they, it's crazy what kids pick up on, like they are so smart. It's wild. (laughs) Um, how do you start this conversation with kids?
2: Well, it would depend on where you're at. Uh, Some parents, um, you know, I find in particular that a lot of moms in particular, like, you know, the ones that I'm speaking to in my podcast audience are um, coming out of disordered eating themselves. And it was perhaps their pregnancy um, that that kind of pulled them out. Like they they just know that food restriction is not going to serve them well. They want to do it differently. They want to do it better for their kids. And maybe they're able to get on a different path, um, you know, from their kid's infancy and that's great not talking about good foods bad foods not talking about um, my body is uh you know good or bad for being big or small um and then other parents you know parents really think that you know this it's important to teach kids about healthy eating. Like, like almost like, why wouldn't it be like we teach them, you know, not to run into the street. (laughs) We teach them that vegetables are healthy. Um, and, uh, we're just kind of, it's coming to surface now that that may not be the best way to go about it. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of an innocuous example, you know, vegetables are healthy. I've heard plenty more examples of, um, don't eat too much of this. You might get fat or no more of that for you. Or, oh, look at mommy's tummy. It's so disgusting. Like if kids are receiving those kinds of messages, is, then it's going to be a whole other conversation in terms of starting this conversation with kids. But um, I would say it's not, uh, you know, if, if you have been uh, doing option B there, <laughs> um, yeah, it could help to have like a true heart to heart about uh, what you want to do differently. Um, but really, it's it's an ongoing day in and day out kind of modeling, um, you know, a healthy relationship with food, positive ways to talk about food. And if as a parent, you're not there yourself, a hundred percent, um, it is harder. I do kind of believe in the fake it till you make it scenario of um you know just uh, you know say positive things um say you, you don't know the answer if, if you don't want to if, if the thing you would typically say comes from diet culture um but you know you'll you'll look into it and get back to them um but i do think it's it's an ongoing thing that we're, we're trying to set a great example for our kids and there's a lot i mean it's not just food you know we do that with a lot of things with teaching our kids kindness um you know teaching our kids inclusivity uh it's not a one and done conversation <laughs>
0: And speaking of kindness and inclusivity, how would you recommend parents talking about body diversity with their kids and this idea that there are all types of bodies, shapes and body sizes? And, you know, I hear a lot of parents say like, oh, my God, my child said I'm afraid to be fat and they're eight years old. Like, how do you help parents kind of navigate those situations?
2: Yeah, it's super scary. Um, We have some data that kids as young as age three can show a preference for thin bodies. And it's around eight or nine that it's something like a quarter or a third of girls, um, might begin restricting their food intake in order to control their body size. So uh, we definitely have to have, uh, you know, our our attention on this issue. Um, you know, if, uh, and it's tricky, the things that come to mind for us in terms of if your uh, child comes to you and says, uh, I think I'm fat, I want to go on a diet. Um, it is very easy to get into, Oh, sweetheart, you're not fat. You're beautiful. Ooh, no. <laughs> shut it down. Yep um it it, you know it may very well be that your child is going to be fat um there are other people in the world who are definitely fat and you know it is not uh, an either or situation with fat and beautiful um it's just a, a state of being you have this color hair you have this color eyes you know you are fat it's not um we don't have to convince them that they're not. That actually uh, really uh, trivializes their experience there. Um, So, you know, if you can, um, you know, prior to that conversation coming up, um, kind of talk about, um, you know, all bodies are good bodies. You know, I think uh, in what your kids are consuming media-wise, books and, um, you know, TV shows and stuff, um, being intentional about getting some body diversity in there and then having those conversations about, you know, so-and-so's body was different but you know um still still good still um it's not even, i don't even like the word still in there like it's different and <laughs> great yay um and then you know in that case where the kid comes to you hopefully the kid comes to you because a lot of times this happens um kid feels like they have to kind of handle this on their own um then uh i would probably suggest getting a professional involved especially if you're not confident um in in your own relationship with food, in your own uh, relationship with your body, uh, but uh, you know, really, the most important thing is going to be helping the kid learn, um, you know, uh, their value independent of their body. That that's really important. And um, you know, when we get to this point in the conversation, I don't think it's about food and bodies anymore. I think it's about raising resilient kids who who know their self worth is not dependent on anything other than. It's just not doing down anything. You just love them unconditionally because they're your child, you know, um, and and I really think that that's a big key uh, here in terms of um, not, uh, you know, having kids go down the path of body shame. Uh, but I know this comes back a lot to the the parents' trauma and their own upbringing and whether they can um, give that love. So, um Big stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can't fit this stuff on an Instagram post of how to help your kid I know. Uh, love their body. Yes, <laughs> but it's
0: also hard too because as a parent, even if you love your child unconditionally, like you don't want your child to be bullied and made fun of, and you know looked at differently in the world. So it's all of these other factors where. You yourself could have good self-esteem, you know, self-confidence, perseverance. But if other people are looking at you a different way, I'm sure that's so painful for parents as well. And on top of that, you know, we know that most people have internalized fat phobia. And so if that's not something you've unpacked, that could still very much be there as well. Um, for a lot of parents especially. Yeah,
2: yeah totally. And and it's not just um, body size that kids could potentially feel that way about, right? It's going to be uh, their gender identity, their skin color, all of these things go together. Um, and so for me, it really comes back to, um, you know, the, the unconditional love and then developing that sense of resilience um, in in kids, this is actually why I named my private practice um, Tiny Seed Family Nutrition. Is that there is a story by Eric Carle about the the resilience of the tiny seed that grows to be the the biggest, most beautiful flower. <laughs> and um, you know that uh, that that goes for me. That goes back to the self worth thing. That your self worth is not defined by um, you know any of the physical attributes of your body um, or what you choose as a profession or anything. You know. Um, but you know, I've also heard that people are tired of being resilient. They don't want to live in a world where you have to be on guard, being resilient all the time. Um, and so, I, for me, this this builds into a larger conversation of um, wh- why do we build some people up and tear some people down? Like the world shouldn't be that way. <laughs> what can and, and that's why um, you know my my online platform is called Raising Anti Diet Kids. I. I'm interested in raising intuitive eaters. That's part of it. That's like one part of the the pie or whatever, but a whole other part of it is raising kids who tear down this system, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and then we wouldn't even have any issues with kids being intuitive, there'd be no reason not to eat according to your appetite. Right. If, if all bodies were, were accepted. So it's big stuff, big, big stuff. That's
1: so true. Like it, this is all, and that's part of the reason I love this work is that it's so much deeper than food, but when it comes to, I love the point on resilience. Is there anything like, is there a place that you recommend parents start to build that resilience in their kids?
2: Um, you know this is, I do have a Facebook group that has a lot of resources. I think it's kind of a eclectic approach. I don't want to point to one um, to you know to one resource as the gold standard necessarily um, you know it does I think come back to doing a lot of your own work on um, your self-worth. Um, and you know what did that come from maybe what were some things um, that are about your own childhood that would you would do differently with your own kids um, I am not a therapist so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's probably all I'm going to uh, say about that. But I, I think it, parents can be really intentional about, you know, the, the world around their kids. I mentioned books and media, um, you know, little conversations about like my kid one day came home um, and she said uh, her preschool teacher had big legs and a big tummy. Right. And uh, I think uh, kind of the, the old way of doing things. Would be, oh, no, 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 don't say that about her. Don't, no, no, no. And, you know, I took the opportunity to say, yes she does have big legs and a big tummy and your other teacher she has small small legs and a small tummy and aren't they both so good at being your teachers don't they both love you so much um you know and kind of carried on the conversation from there and I do think um this is another reason I call my practice tiny seed uh we are planting tiny seeds every time these instances come up um so I think that's a really important element of it too and you know things that happen around your dinner table the way that you talk about food Um, it is really easy to say you know oh I shouldn't eat that cake I I, I would be so bad or something like that nope shut it down like I with my own kids I I have never once let cross my lips anything about a certain food being bad Um, but they're in elementary school now and uh, my, my daughter said the other day I like that food even though it has sugar and I was like (laughs) whoo <laughs> where'd you learn that? <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's going to happen. It, the, the, those, those messages are going to come in. Um, I don't really believe in, in raising kids in a bubble. Um, I, that's actually why I called my online platform Anti-Diet because I didn't call it Diet-Free Kids. Diet-Free Kids would be living in the bubble, right? You know, right. I can protect my kids from, from Diet-Anti-Diet Kids is this is coming and here's how to respond. <laughs> yep, right. Um, so I think that's that's really important having those conversations over and over again. And if you don't know what to say, I don't blame you. I got, I, you know, that is the number one request that I get from parents is I just don't know what to say. I'm on board. I get it. I'm trying to do intuitive eating for myself. I just don't know what to say. Um, and you know, it might be a little bit different for every family too. You know, um, I I don't, you know, I, I like to suggest things that people could say, but I do, um, I do you know, want them to put it into their own words. And haven't talked about this yet. Um, I think critical thinking, helping kids become critical yeah. thinkers, it is huge here, huge, huge, huge. Um, so that when their friend starts dieting and they can literally see it's not enough food, they'd be like, is that really what's best? Yeah, I don't know, you know, instead of, uh, you know, a big problem with dieting is that we are told what to think <laughs> instead of doing the thinking on our own. Um, and I think that's important for kids. And I know schools are focusing on, on critical thinking, but I think that parents can do that in their own homes of like, you know, oh, so-and-so said she's uh, too fat. She needs to go on a diet and say, huh, You know what, what is it about her? You know, what, what would be wrong with a big body? You know, cause I can't, you know, you know, just like get them to kind of go down the path of, you know, figuring out their own thoughts um, on it um, with those skills. Because, you know, if we're dictating to our kids what to think, even if it's in, from an anti-diet place, we're still getting it wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what got us into this mess in the first place. Well,
0: I feel yeah. like even as RGs, like if you're quote unquote educating and just talking at someone, n- none of that is going to stick. But if you, you know, have clients get curious about certain things and have them critically think about certain things like that just opens up a whole new kind of like terrain for them.
2: Yeah, and it's hard for a lot of adults to do too, especially if you've ascribed to the diet mentality your whole adulthood. Uh, right. It's scary to go off on your own and think, you know, well, what do I? I always think the 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 Julia Roberts scene in um I think it's Runaway Bride where she doesn't know what kind of eggs she likes, right? It's like that. It can be scary uh, right. for uh, an adult to have to figure uh, that stuff up out. And we're just talking about eggs, right? Like, right. what do you think about big bodies? What do yeah. you think about um you know honoring your hunger? Uh, you know, it it gets tough. It gets tough, but there are a lot of resources out there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that a big, just in that short conversation, we had a big underlying factor here or, um, action, I guess, is really building that curiosity and awareness for your kid. Mm -hmm. You can't control that much around them. You can, like you said, to a certain extent, but if they have that curiosity, resilience, awareness, I think they'll be, you know, much more set up for success. I'm curious in the home, like for example, you're a dietitian, you know how to respond to these things. You said that a lot of times parents are like, I don't know what to say. What if like, cause to a lot of people, this is really like complete, just gibberish. They're like, what the heck does this even mean? Right? So what if you're a partner, you have a partner who is like, Saying these types of things, and they're not understanding why it's not probably the best idea to say, like, oh no. Daddy had seconds last night. He shouldn't have seconds tonight. Mm,
2: Yeah. Partner is going to be tough. Um, I get this question about grandparents a lot, teachers, stuff like that. Um, When it's not the partner, I think we can talk about boundaries of like, hey, here's what I'm working on with my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that you like to talk about, you know, dessert being, you know, so guilty or whatever. um, But like, just... Please don't do it in front of my kid. Uh, partner is tough. Um, I think that uh, you can come into the conversation saying, uh, you know, maybe because maybe you both uh, been talking like that for a while, and it's one parent who who starts to think that um, it's it's not the best approach. Share your concerns, like instead of saying like you can't, you know, uh, do that. He's gonna blah 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 say it. You know, um, I noticed that when you said that about you having seconds, our kid, you know. Did X, Y, and Z. And I'm just getting concerned that, um, you know, this is going to impact uh, her relationship with food or whatever. Um, now, I've heard that, that that's, that's all well and good. I've heard the parents say, um, yeah, the other parent, the more, you know, the one who is more in diet culture will say, uh, yeah, and she should be. She's, you know, she's gaining weight. She needs to eat less. Mm-hmm. Whoo. Now we're in the deep end. We're in the deep end. Um, There is one resource that if the parent is an analytical type, uh, there is one resource that I like that comes from the American Academy of Pediatrics. um, And it's a position paper called um, uh, Preventing uh, Obesity and Eating Disorders. Um, And it's just all the research that shows uh, that everything that we do to try to stop kids from getting into larger bodies, uh, either leads to them gaining even more weight or at least eating disorders and uh (laughs) i think that most parents don't want either of those outcomes for their kids. I always have to kind of add a little bit of nuance about the um, gaining even more weight thing. I know a lot of parents don't want their kids to um, be in large bodies, but what I'm talking about here is being in a body that is larger than what you are genetically pre-programmed to be in, Right. Um, as I'm sure you are familiar with um, the consequences of yo-yo dieting and and how we store extra weight through that. Um, And it's not just storing extra weight that's a problem with yo-yo dieting. It wreaks havoc on your metabolism for all sorts of reasons and i wouldn't want any kid to be subject to that um you know from the the yo-yo dieting so that's one resource um i will send you the link uh, to that um but the i, I I don't know. Get a family therapist. Like, there's there's a lot here. Again, I'm a dietitian. Yep. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot here. And so much of it comes from people's own childhoods and what they think uh, is right and wrong. But you know, there's there's kind of a, a a tide shift going on with how we raise kids in general. Um, to be a lot more responsive to their needs. Um, to promote inclusivity. To do things a different way from how we all were raised. Because apparently, how we all were raised <laughs> is not working out that well for a lot of reasons. Uh, not. Not specific to diet culture, so
0: right <laughs> yeah. no that's that's really helpful, and I think I like what you said about setting boundaries with other family members um, and I'm curious to hear you know how you handle schools because oftentimes schools are weighing children and they are bringing up BMI and, you know, limiting the types of foods they serve in cafeterias, not recognizing some of the damage it's caused. Like some of one of my client's food fears stem from what she learned in school. And I think that's pretty common among, yeah. you know, adolescents.
2: Yeah, yeah, this is huge. Um, this issue, it would probably be in the like top three issues that, uh, you know, I kind of navigate among um, the, the population I serve. Um, I actually have two of my podcast uh, episodes about this. One is about diet culture in preschool and one is about diet culture in K-12. Um, and now that this is actually the first year that my own kids have been in a K-12 school, so I am starting to see this kind of like head on and figure out exactly what action steps I'm going to take as a uh, parent, not as a dietitian. Um, but so th- those could be good resources. The um, <clears throat> the K-12 episode of my show is with a dietitian named Gwen Costell, who runs Dietitians for Teachers on instagram which is a amazing resource um, the audience is teachers uh, but i would love for parents to be following it as well uh, in terms of um, how frequently this diet culture stuff is showing up in schools um, does it need to be there like a lot of times the curriculum will say like learn about the macronutrients but it doesn't say learn to eat a low-carb diet you know <laughs> uh that kind of thing um uh, so so gwen and i actually uh, did an instagram live recently when um because i basically i was having an issue with my own kids school uh they it's funny i actually i have it right here it was a um a healthy chat week challenge of um you know monday skip sugar drinks tuesday get uh 30 minutes of exercise or something like that um and uh (laughs) gwen kind of talked me through um don't run in there you know flapping your you know dietitian credentials saying uh, what are you doing to our kids um reach out to the teacher say hey i've got some concerns about that assignment do you do you mind if we talk um and you know kind of you know, if the teacher says like listen this is not my domain you got to talk to the principal great now we have an open door to the principal right um, and you know kind of come in of uh, you know uh with that concern and then back it up with um you know as uh, some d- data on how this can contribute to eating disorders um you know can contribute to kids uh not following their appetites, not having a healthy relationship with with food um the thing I think is really important to remember, remember is that educators. <laughs> are are never there's not an educator at least that works in a public school that does not have a kid's best interest at heart right (laughs) that is like they will you they would not be in the business of doing it so um but a lot of educators have come up in diet culture themselves and the idea of teaching kids to have fewer sugar drinks, um, to eat more vegetables, it it, it, it makes sense. There's a logical sequence there. It makes sense. We want kids to be healthy. I have heard that eating vegetables is healthy. Why wouldn't I teach kids to eat vegetables, right? Um, So, uh, you know, it can take a lot of uh, sort of deep conversations uh, to talk about the nuance of why uh, my big thing is that kids uh, elementary age in particular just don't have the cognitive skills to understand this. not necessarily how we're teaching it—it's that we're teaching it at all, because um, the the training that I've done on child feeding is all about um, kids are uh, experiential. Uh, they, you know, they're going to eat it if it looks good. They're not going to eat it if it doesn't look good. And like, isn't isn't that what we're after with our adult adultitude eating clients? Like, that's the whole point, right? Um, so I think it's really important to protect that in childhood um, to sort of cement that healthy relationship with food, and to the degree that it. Is practical in you know high school or beyond. Sure, talk about having a meal with carbs, protein, and fat. Talk about easy ways to prepare vegetables, um, but you know never with uh, this. Um, and if you don't, then it will be X, Y, and Z. Um, and then you know you started the question asking about like getting taught about BMI or getting weighed in schools oh dear lord shut it down (laughs) i don't know have a have a heart to heart with the principal um i'm actually in a position right now where my kids school um, i guess they review different facets of the curriculum every six years and what's up this year is the health curriculum (laughs) so um i will be uh getting a group of parents together um you know sharing our concerns uh not going in there screaming flapping around research papers but you know providing some constructive suggestions um and we'll see what happens I mean I I can make any promises
0: but that's (laughs) so great to have that opportunity to do
2: that Yeah, yeah and we I mean I think I think all public schools do it that way um and you know that's kind of the whole point I mean you know so you know look into what your district is doing um you know and use your voice
0: I'm actually giving a talk at my high school that I went oh. to on how how to develop a healthy relationship with food and body image. Apparently, you know, the guidance counselor said there's been like an epidemic of eating disorders just like citywide and it, it's been really tough for the kids because you know, oftentimes children or adolescents like when they feel like they aren't in control which you're not in a pandemic you know what are you going to latch on to food things that you you know you can control so um i think it's yeah. so great to work with kids and adolescents at a younger age so you can kind of like catch them before yeah. they go down this like diet culture rabbit hole
2: yeah and i think that is one way to frame the discussion with the educators is that um you know they, they live in the same world that we live in they're hearing on the news child obesity epidemic right. and rise of diabetes and they, again these are people with the best interest of kids uh, at heart um they are hoping to prevent those things um right you know and uh, but you know the the eating disorder conversation just doesn't get that much attention um, right. you know even like uh, i think one really interesting way to illustrate it is the amount of funding that eating disorder research gets as compared to you know all all the other disease states that's one way to illustrate it another way to illustrate it is what are a child's odds of actually getting diabetes versus what are a child's odds of getting an eating disorder and it's like it's like infinitely higher it's Really sad. Um, you know, and and you know, this is just sort of like information that you can bring to the forefront um in terms of like, hey, this is why I'm concerned, not um, don't you know you're causing eating disorders? (laughs) It's like, you know, I, I see that you're concerned for kids. I see you don't want these outcomes of chronic diseases. Did you know um that you know eating disorders are also really common and harmful for kids? And these are some of the factors that lead to them. Um and then the next logical question from the educators is well then how in the world do we teach them to eat healthy diets (laughs) and prevent eating disorders at the same time? Um, My answer to that is you don't. (laughs) Um, You teach them to uh, have a healthy relationship with food. Yes,
1: totally. And kind of switching gears here a little bit, what do you do when you're trying to help them have a healthy relationship with food? You know, so often, even when kids are like babies, you feed the baby and you are like, do you like it? Do you like it? You know, Mm -hmm. what do you think about that? Like constant comments of like influencing how they actually feel about that food. So that's my first question. And then the second part of that question is kind of like, okay, so it's, 12 o'clock and it's technically lunchtime, but they don't want to eat. Is that, do we listen to that intuitive cue that they're giving us? Or do we, you know, say you have to eat?
2: yeah okay um first question um what that suggests to me is that the parent um either is using a lot of positive pressure um which which is not something that i would encourage um you know uh you were talking about do you like it um that suggests to me that the parent has a lot of anxiety about feeding the kid (laughs) um, which probably comes from the parent's own history with with food and dieting and body sizes um you know even, um, you know, I've heard tips of, like, it, it. it is, like, it is important for adults to model consumption of whatever it is that the family's foods are. Um, this is how kids literally, like, kids who can't even talk yet will see, all right, she's putting it in her mouth, not poison, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but... Um, you know, in terms of the, you know, uh, you know, look, mommy's eating it. Mommy's yum, 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 yummy in mommy's tummy. Um, that can actually come off as positive pressure. And then the child is um, learning to eat to please the parent, not to listen to their own food cues. Um, so to the degree that you can, um, you know, try to be uh, neutral around food. Um, know, there's a lot of nuance here. I actually talk about talking about food positively a lot. Um, you know, I've seen some, you know, if you, if you don't want your kids to eat cookies, then, you know, just be like, there's, you know, here's, here are cookies, you know, here are carrots, here are cookies. Like, what a bummer, man. Like, (laughs) (laughs) um so i would suggest if if you're interested in your kid eating vegetables yay vegetables but also we can't set up a dichotomy there it's also yay cookies yay cake like isn't it so fun we had cake at the birthday party isn't it so great we had vegetables yummy crunchy carrots at our dinner right um but when uh the parent's motivation is to Get the child to eat more of the food. Um, we're we're suddenly in the territory of the kid is not choosing the food uh, of their own volition, basically. Um, and you know, so that's positive pressure. Negative pressure you're probably familiar with it would would be um, if you don't eat three bites, then you're not leaving the table. And like obviously, none of that. Um, your second question, uh, you know, if the kid's hungry at noon but it's not lunchtime or whatever it is. Um, So I am a big proponent of the Ellen Satter model. Um, It's pretty popular on Instagram. um, If you follow any kid feeding accounts, Uh, there's a bit of an issue of like, are we getting it right? (laughs) Uh, Because it really, it is not a model to help kids eat healthy diets. It is a model to help kids develop um, what Satter would call eating competence, which has quite a lot of overlap with um, what uh, Triboli and Resch would call intuitive eating um you know so you know they're kind of synonyms um and uh saturday's model uh is uh based on the division of responsibility um which is the parents choose what when and where the food is uh served and the child chooses whether and how much so in that case it's noon um you know it's not time for lunch yet uh you would say to the kid um nope we still have to go to the playground and then we're going to have lunch or or whatever it is Um, you know this is tricky because you know a parent if a parent has done their own intuitive eating work they want their kid to be an intuitive eater and it feels like we should let the kid listen to their body signals and i'm not saying that we shouldn't if you if every day at noon your kid was hungry I would suggest to you to revisit the schedule <laughs> and figure out, um, that perhaps this kid needs lunch at noon. Um, but if the kid is, um, you know, the, basically the 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 division of responsibility structure i see it kind of as training wheels um to to get kids to develop that eating competence and satter's done a lot of research on this um that you know if um if kids have free reign over you know getting the snacks whenever um you know uh or parents are catering like oh you're hungry okay you didn't want the grilled cheese okay i'll make you the the chicken nuggets or whatever, um, then that doesn't support the kid um, learning to eat in all situations, learning to have a wide variety um, of foods that they accept in their diet. Um, so the model is designed to sort of be training wheels to get kids, you know, once they high school age-ish, they take on more of the um, responsibilities for feeding themselves. Um, but, you know, if parents are struggling with this, I would suggest that they um, look into division of responsibility um, and in, pres- in Particular thing about how it would apply to their family um, because uh, sadly <laughs> it has the potential to be adopted um, as hard and fast rules in the same way that a diet would be, and especially parents coming from the diet mentality uh, have a proclivity to doing that. Um, but we see, I think a lot of the criticisms of intuitive eating um, can actually be expanded to uh, to apply to the model of child feeding with division of responsibility, and we don't. You know need to throw intuitive eating out with the bath water just because some people take the 10 principles and as you know kind of commandments right um and we don't uh you know need to do that with division of responsibility either but the same way you've seen weight loss influencers co-opt intuitive eating you might see uh you know kid influence food influencers co-opt um Division of Responsibility as a way to get your kids to uh, eat vegetables, um, which is actually what I'm covering on my Instagram right now is um, what the true intention is. And it's that healthy relationship with food. It really is. Even if what you're serving is chicken nuggets. Like, right. Like no
0: one is, is going to have malnutrition from chicken nuggets. Like.
2: Yes, yes, yes. And and so much of this, it's, you know, it's sad, but true. It's kind of obvious that it, it comes from the yes. parents diet mentality of believing that if their kid doesn't love a rainbow of vegetables, then there is going to be some poor outcome perhaps that the right. child will be in a large body. And we really have to re-examine if that is really such a right. terrible thing. Right. It's not. And you
0: by the way, your Instagram account is so good. I, that's how I found you. I found someone else oh. posted you and I clicked on you. I'm like, oh, yeah. this is
2: really great content, so... Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it, it kind of evolved as a response to, um, you know, I, I think it, I think it's very important to talk about raising intuitive eaters. It's very important to you know provide education on the division of responsibility. But I was kind of like, wh- why isn't anyone saying? Teach kids at all, like all bodies are. I don't want to say nobody was saying it, um, but you know, to, I, my intention is really to layer in the actual feeding dynamics in the household with these conversations of, um, you know how to raise an anti-diet kid who says, uh, who would say to their kid, they're an eight. I want an eight-year-old to say to their friend who either says something negative about someone being fat or themselves being fat, right? Like, no, that's yes. not cool. <laughs> you know? And so I think we, uh, we have to take it a step farther, uh, beyond, um, here's how to feed your kids to here's how to raise intuitive eaters to, um, that's why I called it anti-diet kids. Here's how to raise an anti-diet kid. And hopefully, you know, cause there's, I mean, there's so many resources for adults who are coming to terms with their own relationship with food. That's extremely important. But if if we're going to stop this in its tracks, and I don't know, I have high hopes. I think that this, you know, g- generation like my kids are Generation Alpha. Right. I think they can do it. <laughs> oh, that's that's totally a thing. Gen <laughs> Z then Gen Alpha. <laughs> um, I think they can do it. Um, kind of, you know, uh, you know, stop diet culture in its tracks. Um, but you know, because we're never we're never going to get rid of it. If 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 everybody's growing up to be an adult who needs an intuitive eating right, counselor right we haven't solved any problems right <laughs> so we gotta stop it in its tracks
0: yes. well thank yeah. you so much for coming on where can people yeah. find you
2: yeah definitely uh the instagram that we're talking about it's um anti dot Diet. kids. Um, same on Facebook. Uh, and I also have a Facebook group called raising anti-diet kids. And, um, that is really important for basically having these discussions of I want to do this differently. I do, but I struggle with my own disordered eating and I don't know what to do here. Um, and it's a good mix in that community of people who are firmly anti-diet and people who are just, um, you know, kind of reckoning with this kind of stuff. So, um, you know, people who are firmly anti-diet like me can come in and support those conversations. Um, and then my podcast is uh the messy intersection um apple spotify all the good stuff and um my private practice is uh tennessee family nutrition and that would be at dianakrice.com perfect and we will put
0: all those links in the show notes so you can actually have access to it right after you listen to this episode thank you so much again and go follow diana
2: (laughs) (laughs) thank you this is great
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next.
1: All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.